So welcome back, Equipping You podcast listeners. This is our first ever dual episode. So um, we've been talking to Craig Smith, our Native American uh, friend who's been part of the Alliance his whole life, has a great heart for his uh, people. And so you heard him uh, expound a bit on uh, Native culture and some of the challenges faced by uh, Native people, the opportunities of the gospel amongst uh, Native people in episode 6A. And now here we're in 6B to continue this uh, conversation. Craig, thanks for uh, being with us and and, uh, sharing all that you're sharing with us. Thank you, Terry. So uh, you write, uh, I think, again, this is in White Man's Gospel that we mentioned in the previous episode of the potential of Native people to be engaged in God's global work, Mm -hmm. uh, Great Commission Fulfillers. Yes. So tell yeah. us about that potential, and, I, and I'd love for our listeners to hear about your ministry experience in Australia uh, a years yeah. back and, and how that fits <laughs> into this whole uh, narrative of yeah. native potential for gospel ministry. Sure. Well, Terry, before I share that story, something very important must be said first, and that is this. If we in the Alliance are truly a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family, then I think it's important to remember that there's not just a Jerusalem and an uttermost part of the world mandate in, in that verse, but a Judea and Samaria one as well. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be that family that is fulfilling that Acts 1-8 mandate, we've got, to, we've got to not neglect the Judea and Samaria regions right around us. Now, we've done well among some of the other minority groups in America. And I praise God for that. I rejoice in, in a great work over the years and uh, some of the other uh, cultures here in America, but it has been a difficult challenge, and we must not pass over the indigenous people, the Native American people of this right. land. Why? I think we have to look first at a biblical reality that God has a special role for indigenous people in his redemptive plan. Paul says this when he was preaching in the Aragopagus in Acts 17. He says, from one man he made all the nations of the earth that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out appointed times, the time set for them, and the boundaries of their lands, or as another translation says, the exact locations where they were to live. And he did this so that men would seek him and find him because he is not far from them. Oftentimes, I, I really honestly believe the reason why we're not on the radar screen of many leaders in wanting to even address Native Americans' uh, ministry within their districts, within districts, is because we usually aren't considered to be a people group where we can get the biggest bang for the buck. <laughs> and, and and let's plant churches where, where they can flourish and prosper and grow and get big and all of that. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only thing. I, forgive me, if, if and please, that's not my intent in saying that. But I do believe that we oftentimes aren't really considered because there doesn't seem to be much return for the investment. But I see in Scripture, and, and what happens when we have Scripture like this that says God determined the exact locations of the nations. When he scattered them off the plains of Shinar in Genesis 11, he determined the exact locations and the time set for them so that men would seek him and find him. Now, of course, that's so we would seek him and find him. But I believe that goes even further, that, that there is a, a specific redemptive role indigenous people play in God's overall plan to spread the gospel to all nations. 
And that's where I believe the potential of Native America comes in. I, I think that's something we need to see. And if that is the case, would it give us in our district offices, in our DEXCOMs, in our, in our uh, strategy meetings to, wait a minute, there is something important that God has a role that is only there for indigenous people for his redemptive purpose that is missing unless we do something with intentionality to help reach them so that they can fulfill that. That's what, that's what my heart's cry is. It's been what my heart's cry is for 40 years of ministry in the Alliance. And I've served in, in evangelism, but also as, as a district superintendent. And I, I've seen that there's this redemptive role for indigenous people and specific times in specific locations. And uh, this uh, Australian trip is a perfect example. About 25 years ago, uh, I was invited to speak at the 25th anniversary of the Alliance in Australia. And uh, we were asked not only for me to come and preach, but uh, our music team, my dad, my, my wife, LaDonna, uh, the Smith family trio, we, we went, all went down to Western Australia in the outback where the 25th uh, General Council was, was held for the Alliance there. And it was an amazing journey. <laughs> we, uh, we were asked to stay on for a couple weeks afterward and do evangelism in the outback with the Aborigines, and it was a tremendous time. But after 30 hours of flying and airports and sleeping on, <laughs> on tile floors, uh, the international travelers know what we're talking about. Yep. Finally arriving middle of the night uh, in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia, we, we, uh, we get into a vehicle where the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the, the car, and we're driving <laughs> down the road on the wrong side of the road. It was crazy, and I felt like I was going crazy. But went to bed that night, got up, and, and 9 o'clock in the morning, my first message, and I shared a history of the gospel here among Native Americans. Interesting thing happened, Terry, at the end of that, at the end of that message. The Aborigines in attendance there just ran. They, they stormed the platform, and they wept, they cried, they grabbed me, they embraced me. They said, Craig, you've told our story. What happened to your people happened to us. And, and there was just this amazing connectivity that mm. I, as an indigenous person, had with this other indigenous Aboriginal nation. And it was, it was remarkable. Over on the side of, of the auditorium, a, a fellow was uh, watching this happen. He came to me after. He said, can I talk to you? He said, you know, Craig, I've been here for 25 years. Uh, this was an Anglo missionary. So I've been here for 25 years. He said, you came last night, you preached your first message. And he said this, you have gotten to the heart of the Aborigines at a level I have yet after 25 years to reach. Wow. Now that tells me, now I didn't, that wasn't because of an amazing preacher. No, not, I mean, I was half awake. I was worried about <laughs> it be the first pastor to fall asleep and moan message. After all that. But the Lord used it. But what happened was, because we are not the typical cross-cultural presenter of the gospel, we are just like the indigenous people around the world. Think of the potential, the acceleration component of Native America rising up to become missionaries, the global commission completers in these days. Is that what Acts 20 as 17 is talking about, I believe that there is something special. Billy Graham in, in that 1974 said that a Native America is a sleeping giant. And when Native America wakes, they could be the ones that would help win America for Christ. And I believe not just America, wow. but help complete the Great Commission. So, friends, there is, there is a potential within Native America that cannot be missed by the Alliance. Yeah. 
And we are in a special day right now where the recognition of the minority peoples and the challenges and the issues have all boiled to the surface. Mm-hmm. And in that boiling pot is a boiling voice that's sharing with you this morning or whenever you're listening to this. There is something we are missing in the body of Christ if we neglect to reach the indigenous people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're missing great potential. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Love your passion on that, Craig. Thank you. So I know that one of those things that's going to have to be crossed, the barriers for cross, is dealing with the persecution, the injustices that have been given to Native Americans on, from white Americans. What is repentance? And, oh, my wonder. I know this is a long question, so I, yeah. I know I'm inviting something, but repentance and reconciliation. Well, what could that look like? At least yeah. give us maybe some first steps. Sure. Well, I think there's two, th- uh, two things to consider also in this. First of all, I think it's good to have some kind of a scriptural foundation for whatever we do in, in, in terms of re- uh, reconciliation. Paul speaks to all believers in Acts 26, 20, these words, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and then demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Repentance is not an event. I, I've done over the years speaking for promise keepers and some of their events. And I've been there where the racial reconciliation things happen in the stands where the different cultures go and, and embrace and, and reconcile. There's a powerful moment. But then the question is what happens when we leave and go back to our communities. If nothing changes, is that true repentance? Repentance includes a demonstration of repentance by deeds. So I can only address this, uh, from our CMA perspective, and what I would suggest to Native or, or pastors interested in reaching out in your community, maybe there's Native reservations nearby, show an interest in reaching Native people around you with the gospel. Listen, they will be open. When you come with a, a heart of, of love and, and passion for Christ, they, we, can, we can detect fakes pretty easy. But if you are genuinely empowered by the Holy Ghost, going in the power of the Spirit to preach the gospel and, and open the gospel to uh, people that are hardened with it. Uh, there's, there's, there will be a willing ear. I, I see this in my own community when I minister in my own community. I'm, I'm not rejected as a, as, a, as a minister of the gospel. I'm asked to do a lot of things in the community, spiritual ministry, because of the respect that they have for the message that we bring. It should include a preaching of repentance, but doing deeds that present a full gospel message that empowers people for daily living. I would say the Ephesians 2 passage should be a model that we should have in our church because it it tells us that you who sometimes were afar off have been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. There's only one thing that can bring true, lasting reconciliation. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. There is dynamic power in the blood of of Christ that can set people free and reconcile each other to each other. Amen. Listen, just as much blood of Jesus was spent to reconcile us to each other Mm. that was spent to reconcile us to God. Oh, how we're missing this. And and I've been guilty of this myself uh, for many years, uh, thinking about the uh, homogeneous dynamic in church planting that, Maybe Native people feel better, more comfortable in their own place. Listen, if you're in a multicultural community, the, the closest picture of, of, the, of the body of Christ is a multicultural church that embraces whoever is in that community, just like my home community in northern Minnesota. It, at Cass Lake, Minnesota, 
mix of native and, and, and Anglo. Our congregation reflects that. And we love each other. We worship together. We're serving each other. We're seeing dynamic things happen through that one little church plant. That one little native church plant is still after 89 years <laughs> seeing missionaries being sent, seeing leaders coming out of it, seeing martyrs. We've had in our history martyrs names that you would, re you would recognize quickly in the alliance. Uh, those who have laid down their life and their families connected to our little home church. Powerful things have come out of that. Yeah. And so that, that is what I would encourage. And uh, build relationships. I, I was in, uh, in Northern California a number of years ago, and I was ministering in one of our Alliance churches, and a, a man came up to me in tears. He said, Craig, he said, I am a, a, a pharmacist with the Indian Health Service. I work and serve on, on a rancheria just not far from here. And there's a native church, and I, I love native people, love working with them. And I went to that native church, and, you know, the native church said, well, really, you don't belong here. This is a, a native church for us. You should go to the white church. And his heart was broken. because, And so that's a two-way street. Yeah. Uh, both sides. We have to be open to embracing each other, regardless of the past atrocities. It is not a PC issue. It's a BC issue. It's a blood of Christ issue mm -hmm. that we need to recognize. And it is only that power that can truly bring about true repentance. We're mm -hmm. seeing that lived out in my home church, and I pray many other churches yep. like that. So that is uh, that is important. I uh, Practically, uh, along with building relationships with Native people in your spheres of influence, uh, connect them with resources that can help answer some of their questions, like, like uh, you know, white man's gospel, or or like this, this is the newest book we talk about, indigenous faith, yeah. helping native people understand how do I live a victorious Christian life, a biblical life, in the context of a culture that is overtly animistic, yeah. and so uh, that is important. And then the second item, I'll be real quick on this. Yeah, and this is to speak to us as on the other side, on the receiving end of what has been atrocity and whatever. And I shared a little bit about it with my grandparents and so on. It has been a part of the, unfortunately, the human experience, the American experience. And that is this. We have to be careful on the hurt side that we not be guilty of what I would call selective memory. What I mean by that is this. Before the white men ever came to America, before the European immigrants arrived here, our tribes were warring. Our tribes were fighting. You know, we were stealing each other's lands and ladies and, and uh, all, all the rest. My tribe, the Ojibwe, when we migrated over, over and around the Great Lakes, ended up in the western Great Lakes area, Wisconsin, Minnesota, up into Canada. We crossed the border with our tribe. Uh, we, when we got to those beautiful woods and lakes, they were filled with, play, uh, with the, the Sioux Indians, and we fought them for the, for the woodlands, and we actually won that, and they were chased out and they now reside in the in the prairies we call them plains indians today and and we were guilty of horrendous atrocities ourselves listen every human culture operates out of the same playbook of fallen humanity and, and as we are pointing the fingers at others and seeking them to do something uh to to make make things better for us and the in the what about the reconciliation that is needed between even our warring tribes here all throughout human history, pride, disobedience has been in the DNA of every human culture. It manifests itself by saying, I want what you have and I'll take it by force. And 
That's how we've had all the world wars. That's how all the tribes and kingdoms and nations have warred against each other. So there's nothing new. We're all guilty of it. So we have to be careful that we're not just laying the blame on a selective history that leaves out all the others. So that may be a hard pill to swallow for those of us uh, on the minority side that are trying to maximize the impact and new changes we can bring. But listen, we've got to be biblically right and honest if we're going to see the blessing of God and favor of God visit our minority communities. So, so Craig, that's, we got about, that's the other concern. got about 15 minutes left, about four questions yeah. here. So you get four minutes per question. I will, I will buzz. I'll do my the, best. Uh, the evangelical church hasn't always done well in terms of ministry to Native Americans. Sometimes we have, sometimes we haven't. What are some errors that have been made, perhaps are still being made, and what role can the evangelical church at large in the U.S. play in evangelizing Native people? Okay, four minutes. Here we go. <laughs> I would say, I'll, I'll summarize it by saying this. A Native leader friend of mine, a Christian leader, when he spoke one time about the Native church to a, a large uh, non-Native church in a missions conference, he said he described the Native church as a 500-year-old baby. The reason he said that is mission work has been plight-based rather than potential-based. There was a motivation that had we come into question, perhaps maybe self-preservation on the part of the historical missionaries working among us. You know, we want to work ourselves out of a job, but if we do, we don't have a job. (laughs) And so oftentimes the ministry model that was used was more based upon the uh, the plight. So the response responds to the plight. Because of that, Leadership never was raised up. All the work was done. The work crews to build a, a native church or to remodel it or, or work came from the outside. And, and uh, that was uh, never more, more clearly poignant to me than an exchange. My father-in-law, Herman Williams, Navajo Christian leader, who's home with the Lord and the Alliance. Many people remember Herman. Uh, uh, an Anglo pastor came up to him one time and said, Herman, when are we going to come paint your church? Well, Herman turned the table to him and he said, well, pastor, how about after we come and paint your church? If you had false teeth, they'd have fell on the floor. (laughs) You know, I mean, he wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Benevolence must not be a one-way street. It has been historically a one-way street. I believe very firmly that Native Americans, if we are to grow and mature in our churches, we need to be just as responsible to be a blessing to others, maybe even back to the very ones, just like the church in Antioch, the ones that were overlooked in the initial spreading of the gospel to them, took up an offering and gave it back to the believers who dwelt in Judea. Who dwelt in Judea? The very ones that came and preached the message to none but the Jews only. That is the model, that Antioch model. Look at that, Pastor. Study that passage and see how that would relate to cross-cultural ministry in your in your community. And then uh, another part, I think, is the releasing and resourcing of, of, of Native men and women called to the work uh, of the evangelist. Our oral tradition is helpful, I believe, in the development of, of people who can articulate the gospel well. And so we need to encourage Native leadership with potential-based initiatives rather than imposed from a, a dominant cultural leadership always struggling to find out what would be the best way to do this. We need to be invited. And this is what is happening now, Terry, under John's leadership and yours. We appreciate it so much. We are being brought into the discussion. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, Regarding the one-way benevolence, uh, I suggest a two-way street or maybe even a roundabout. What would happen if a Native church and an Anglo church and maybe a Hispanic urban church or African-American church, a a three- or four-way 
partnership where all four, three or four churches agree together. One year, we're going to come and help the native church. Next year, the native and the and the Ang- African-American will go help the Anglo. And then the next year, you know, a, a roundabout uh, way of benevolently helping and encouraging cross-cultural interaction. So I think that that is uh, uh, one, of, one of the great simple ways that we could help Excellent. strengthen the body. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, we were supposed to have an Alliance Native American Ministry Summit just before recording this podcast last week. Yeah. But it had to be rescheduled because of the uh, COVID situation. Some of us were exposed yeah. to COVID. And uh, we were going to talk about establishing a Native American training center in Oklahoma. We're actually going right. to end up doing that a couple of months from now, about yeah. a month and a half from now. Yeah. Talk yeah. to us about the importance of that training center, Craig. Sure. Well, uh, again, before addressing the training center, I think there's context that needs to be given to help give a full response. This Oklahoma City training center is not is not a standalone thing it has to be understood i believe in the context of a larger vision for this city which is one of the most significant urban native communities in america mm. over 51,000 native americans live in the city wow. of oklahoma city wow it is in a it is in a state that has had very successful native church planting by other groups we have gone to the hardest reach to reach areas in our Alliance history. That's our DNA, yes, but it has meant we've worked in very difficult areas. Here is an area we've never reached into, the, the, the region of Oklahoma. And so um, our vision is threefold. First of all, it has, to, it has to be understood our desires to plant a significant multicultural uh, Native church on that property with an emphasis on the Native community. A training center void of a strong local church would be putting the cart before the horse. Oklahoma, as I said, is a state with a huge native presence, and uh, there's a huge urban population. But the second thing, this property has potential of providing the, com- the native community, the native urban community, is a community resource center that would provide much-needed uh, services. We see that happening in Alliance missions around the world. We see that uh, in, in the uh, passion of of some of our urban churches that have uh, developed such kinds of, of uh, uh, specialty ministries that provide a form by which the gospel can be presented. In, in Native American culture, basketball is big, and there's a beautiful gymnasium that could be set up to offer uh, uh, tribal uh, groups to use in competitions and so on. And it brings them into the into the building and and uh, uh, you know uh, leagues and so on. Uh, there's classrooms that could be developed that could provide helpful uh, training with uh, language studies, perhaps if need be, or helping in in school uh, tutoring and things like. That. There's so many things that could be done with that property uh, t- to help the native urban community, and then from that, church plant and a resource center would be a ministry training center that would specifically be designed to help train new pastors that we would raise up, utilizing partnerships with the existing Alliance equipping ministries, higher educational institutions, and so on. We're already having discussions with them, and there's interest in setting uh, a way by which we could make that happen. Amen. Looking forward to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I look forward to seeing the results of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So uh, give us an outline of your dreams uh, for Native American ministry in the U.S. Alliance, and uh, where are some places that Alliance pastors and churches can plug in? Sure. Um, Well, 
what I'm sharing with you here is a vision that uh, isn't just a, a, on my heart, but it is embraced by our Native, uh, Native Alliance uh, uh, Association. We have a twofold strategy that we are, are building our future on. Number one, we, and we, we have two scripture verses that provide the foundation one. The first is that Acts 1-8, I already talked about an Acts 1-8 strategy, and that is targeted Native church planting in communities where basically it's primary Native people living there. Uh, you're not going to find a real multicultural environment there. Uh, it's primary reservation-based church planting in cooperation with CMA districts that are willing to step out with a new potential-based church planning strategy rather than a plight-based one. If we're going to make that happen, we need to encourage our district leadership to step up by faith with us, with us by reaching primary into those native populated communities. I, I think information is helpful. Uh, uh, Alan, you mentioned you're learning some things in what, what we're discussing right now that you didn't know about. Well, I, I hope and pray that we can help resource our district leaders with, with this kind of passionate information that would help turn a light on to say, hey, we've got to do something to reach yeah. Native Americans in yeah. our district. So uh, also, uh, and this is something we appreciate the opportunity to do, if we are an Acts 1-8 family and we are uh, all in and all four of those regions, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth, uh, we are hoping that we will pr have opportunity in even Alliance Missionary Conferences uh, to talk about this corner of vineyard. In fact, you can't get much further from Jerusalem than Colorado Springs, Colorado. <laughs> we are the uttermost parts of the earth here, if you want to look at it that way. And the thing is, the indigenous people in America need to be reached with the gospel. And so uh, we want to encourage that to happen. Promoting uh, Native ministry throughout the Alliance constituency would help us surface opportunities where either this first uh, church planting model uh, of uh, specific native church plants or the second model based on what we already talked about the Ephesians 2 strategy, a multicultural church that reaches out in a much more intentional way into its community where already native people are present and, and begin targeting them. We can, we can come into local churches and help train. We have, uh, in fact, the indigenous faith uh, book that I wrote we have available uh, a six-part DVD series uh, with student workbooks and, and a leader's guide that uh, will help equip not only Native people to learn to live a, a biblically healthy life, but help a, a, a maybe an alliance church that wants to work in Native American community. Uh, it's a six-part DVD small group uh, setting. You can use it that way. So we have some resources that could help you. Also, this hasn't just implication for Native America, but our worldwide work, we have a lot of Alliance churches that do small group uh, or um, short-term missions trips. And those short-term trips uh, can be very helpful to the missionaries out there working when, when our churches go out to help. But actually sometimes, and we've experienced this on my home reservation not long ago, uh, where it actually can be detrimental. We had a small group team come in, not in the Alliance, this was a, a a generic team not associated with any of the local churches in the in our community. They just came in and they wanted to learn more about Native American culture. So who did they ask? They didn't ask the Native Christians leaders. They asked the cultural leaders. So they brought in. They were here were these Christian kids being exposed to Native uh, traditionalism and, and spiritism and all that. And then they brought the uh, sacred objects uh, in, uh, in a rotating uh, outreach to our community where the various Native churches and cross-cultural churches work together 
and, and it was that they said, can we give a, can we take one of the weeks? And they did. And they brought in, uh, it was basically a, a native, uh, uh, traditional, uh, ceremony. And these are Christian small group. They didn't even realize how, how it was contrary to the word of God. And, and so, uh, it's, uh, this, uh, indigenous faith can help even serve as like an equipping. If your church is considering going to an area where, uh, animism, permeates the culture of the people that the missionaries are working in. It's a helpful thing to help you know what to, what to look for in terms of culture and spiritism and traditional religions that can get all mixed up together. And we don't want to create more problem than we bring solutions. So uh, these tools are available to Alliance churches to, to help equip them. Yeah. Amen. Greg, thank you so much. You've, uh, opened our eyes to a lot of things, opened our hearts uh, again to your people. And uh, so uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us and uh, pray that this uh, conversation has a powerful impact on Alliance pastors and leaders across the U.S. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd close by saying this. Remember the, in, 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 in the Aragopagus message, Paul said two things. God determined the set times for, the, I mean, the exact locations, but also the, the time set for them. Yeah. I prayed all along for five, uh, for, for my whole lifetime, as I look at the 500 years of the gospel here, we've yet to see a real move of God in an in a amazing way that blows the doors off of history. Yeah. And, and I keep crying out, Lord, when is it our time? I believe that before yeah. Jesus comes again, he will grant Native America that blessing, that time. Mm. Could it be that this is now with all the, confusion and stuff coming out of the the uh, uh, racial tension we're in, that this could be just a moment that God wants to move among Native America, not strategized in some committee room, but brought down with power from on high mm-hmm. to reach hardened Native hearts who then will rise up and become the evangelists, just like the 144,000 evangelists that rise up among a people group that's Hard to be reached even now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to happen there. Yeah. Lord, and again, I pray, Lord, when is it our time? Mm. I want to live like today is our time. Mm. No, every Amen. day I, I live before the Lord takes me home or before Jesus comes. Amen. We agree, Craig. God Amen. bless you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Two sessions of interviews with uh, Craig Smith. Really appreciate him uh, sharing his heart. Alan, what'd you learn today? Oh, well, my goodness, what didn't I learn? It was uh, the passion from Craig and the need that was so clear, uh, the astounding lack of gospel, really saturation, uh, lack of gospel saturation among Native Americans. The stats were alarming, and it just broke my heart that I don't, honestly, for my own self personally, I didn't know that I didn't know a lot of that and uh, that it really is off the radar of media and yet uh, so poorly treated in our country. Interesting that Craig said there there are Native Americans in all of our districts and in half of the counties in the U.S. So I want to challenge you, if you're listening today, your pastor, lay leader, dig in and find the Native population near you and find out how you can begin to connect uh, with that Native population in a way that may give you the opportunity to impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while you're doing that, get a hold of Craig's resource, Indigenous Faith DVD series, and uh, take a look at that. Read his book, 
uh, White Man's Gospel and his book, Indigenous Faith. We'll put in the show notes where you can get those things. Let's uh, make an intentional effort to try to bring a gospel, a greater gospel presence to Native Americans and then unleash them uh, to be uh, powerful communicators and representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. What should people do with this episode, Alan? As always, you know, we say this all the time. I don't want to lighten it here, but I mean, share it with somebody because I, if we're going to be people who are faithful to reaching the least reached, then we've got to care about this as a, as a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. And I think Craig made that really pl- clear. So I think it would be just cool if you just, could I take one person that you could recommend this episode to or this yeah. double episode to uh, and share it that way. So we hope this episode, two episodes really, we hope it's convicting and we hope it's challenging and we hope it spurs you on to uh, action for the sake of the gospel and the power of the gospel amongst Native American people. We appreciate you listening and uh, look forward to seeing you back next time on Equipping You Podcast. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.